0: We're all advocates. We're the backbone. We're the backbone of the
1: nation. Show the rest of the world who aren't farmers what it is, what's it, what's it like on a farm, you know, what we do every day. We're feeding the world. It creates a healthy community. So, you know, eat local, buy local, support your local farmers.
0: Welcome back to another episode of The Advocates. In today's episode, Daniel and Wade are joined by Amber Schultz from Warrens, Wisconsin. While she has only been sharing about cranberries on Instagram since January, Amber has been a lifelong cranberry farmer. Today, we take a deep dive into the shallow cranberry bog and learn about cranberry production. Amber, how are things in Warrens, Wisconsin tonight? Oh, things are beautiful.
2: We've got a nice warm night. It's, it's great. Couldn't
0: better evening. Dan, how about the uh, Panhandle of Texas?
1: Well, we're going to start up wheat harvest again tomorrow and Lord willing we'll uh, finish up next Thursday. So I'm excited to be done. Good deal.
0: Uh, we've got Amber Schultz with us tonight. Um, Amber, um, known on Instagram as at Cranberry Chats. Um, tell us some about
2: yourself. Yeah, so I am a fifth generation cranberry grower here in Wisconsin. Um, I grew up on the marsh, I grew up helping my dad. Um, he married into the family business, so um, he came in not really knowing, you know, heads and tails from a cranberry. But he grew up, or he started doing this, and he fell in love with it. And so I grew up watching what he was doing, and I fell in love with the industry. Um, so I I live, breathe cranberry. So that's that's all I love talking about. So if you know me in person you're always going to hear me talking cranberries. That's not just something I like throwing out on Instagram. That's that's who I am. Um, so it's it's an awesome livelihood, and I, I would never change a thing about it.
1: I didn't know that there was heads or tails to a cranberry. That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, just look joke, at one.
2: Man. You'll see the head and the tail on there. Oh,
1: wait, really? <laughs> no, I'm, All right. I, I'm... Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh. Got. I can't be
2: gotcha.
1: strict on my show. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about where you grew up, Amber. I'm I'm interested in in uh, little towns up in Wisconsin and stuff like that. It's always interesting. <laughs>
2: yeah. So I am in Warrens, Wisconsin. Um, so we are famous for our cranberry festival that happens every September. It's always the last weekend in September. Um, So our village, I live five miles outside of a village of 360 people, so I'm kind of smack dab in the middle of nowhere. Um, But during this Cranberry Festival, we go from 300 people to roughly 100,000 people in one weekend. So it's kind of a big deal for us. Um, You might have seen it. um, So
1: how does the town support that? (laughs) Well. If, If it's a town of 300 people, like, do they have their own campers? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just. I'm are no, curious about that.
2: Yeah, so it's pretty much um, like a big craft show. So everyone in the village of Warren's kind of has to sacrifice their yards <laughs> for this weekend. So the streets <laughs> are packed. People are set up on people's yards. Um, they, like if you live in town, you pretty much have to either sell something or get out of town for the weekend because there's no way that you're getting in or out of the town. Like the roads are just completely shut down. Everything just kind of shuts down for us school is out that weekend it usually goes from thursday until sunday so the kids in our school district have off that week and like it's a big deal um so it's a lot of fun um we do um marsh tours out at our family's marsh so you can hop on a bus um you have a local cranberry grower that's your tour guide and they kind of show you around the area tell you um what all goes into cranberry growing and and it's People come from all over the country. We've had people coming from like Ireland and Germany to this festival. Like it's it's world renowned. Apparently, it's pretty cool.
1: Wow, I did not realize that that was a major deal. That yeah. that actually really interests me now. I guess I'm gonna have to make it up to Wisconsin sometime. Do you all crown <laughs> a uh, no. I'm very interested?
0: Do you crown a cranberry queen?
2: <laughs> uh. No, <laughs> I grew up such a tomboy that the thought of having to wear a dress all summer long just—I hated the thought of it. So, I no, no royalty in my blood.
1: <laughs> you know, I always hated the thought of wearing a dress too. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cut that out. Sorry. <laughs> uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about your education. Uh, You're—you've grown up in a small town. You move. Uh, You get to learn a little bit about things, and then you come Mm -hmm. back to the farm, I guess. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, so growing up, I kind of always knew I wanted to come back to the marsh. I just wasn't sure when that time would happen for me. Um, So my parents were really great. They encouraged me to go out and kind of figure my life out, and if I wanted to come back, that's great. And if not, you know, there's no pressure added on on my end. Um, So I went to school for sports management, um, so I wanted to work in baseball in the worst way. I, um, had a couple different internships working in baseball. I worked for a minor league team in Iowa. Um, and I love doing that, but things just didn't line up. You know, it, everywhere I went, it never really felt like I belonged there. Like I just didn't belong in a big city and I always missed coming back home. And every time I did go home, I just felt right. Like it felt like it was the right thing to do. So Finally, um, about four years ago, I, I came out to my parents and said, "Hey, I want to come back." And like my mom kind of laughed at me. She's like, "No, you don't. You want you don't want to do this." And I was like, "No, I'm I'm serious. Like I want to come back home." And my dad was on board right away, um, but it took a little convincing on my mom's end. Uh, I kind of had to beg and plead. I was like, "No, I I need to do this." And so they finally caved, and I've been back home working for I think three and a half years now, full-time. So um, I work alongside my dad again, and I have an older cousin that works out here alongside me, and my husband also just joined in on the fun um, this past harvest season in September. So it's a full family affair out here, and it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Sounds like a uh, whirlwind well, uh, of adventure to, to get back home, uh, but it sounds like you're exactly where you want to be.
2: Yeah, yeah, I would, I would change a thing about
0: it. Tell us, tell us a little bit about the farm.
2: Yeah, so we have um, 230 acres of just straight cranberries. Um, so we actually were founded back in 1918. So we are a century farm. Um, so when um, my great great granddaddy kind of founded the farm. He had previously worked in Cranberries and he wanted to start his own marsh um, and he somehow found this chunk of land and saw the potential in it. Um, So we are in kind of like a swampy, (laughs) marshy area. Um, So when he started with just 11 acres and then he had a bunch of kids and they were a very strong Irish family. Um, So he had a couple boys and a couple daughters and they all loved Cranberries. They wanted to take over Um, the family business but they all hated working with each other as most Irish families do I guess Um, so they all kind of branched out but one son stayed behind um, and then he started to grow the marsh a little bit and he also had a son and the son stayed and took over the marsh and then he grew it even further so that was my granddaddy and then he had two daughters so my mom and my aunt um, and both daughters stayed on the marsh and married guys that also wanted to work on the marsh. So they grew um, from 11 acres to 230 that we have today. Um, So that's all we grow out here is just cranberries. We can't really grow anything else out on our property um, because we have a really acidic sandy soil. So when I mean sandy, I mean like white beach sand. (laughs) So we don't have a dark soil out here. So we can't grow like corn or soybeans or anything it just won't take with our soil Um, but that's what cranberries really thrive in so that's why um, Warren's is a cranberry capital of Wisconsin just because we have so many growers in this area um, because that's that's what the cranberries love so they're native to Wisconsin or they're native to North America actually they're one of three native fruits I believe Um, so they are grown wild out here and they somehow figure out a way to cultivate the wild cranberries and make them into what we have today. Um, so it's it's pretty awesome just to see all the growers in here, and it's kind of like one big family. Like there's no rivalries or anything. All the growers are out here to help each other.
1: So, Amber, uh, I mean, I was sitting on a John Deere tractor this morning and afternoon, and then a combine, then a little bit later some other things. Uh, Tell me about the farm equipment that comes with cranberries, because it's my guess that John Deere, Case, whoever you want to think of, or Old Holland or whatever, doesn't really create cranberry combines, do they?
2: Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, So since the cranberry market is so small, a lot of these companies don't make implements for cranberry growers. Um, So something that I really admire about our industry is that we are always innovating our own implements. Um, so, usually what happens is one genius guy out there, he will make, like, the new best and greatest thing out there. So, like, for example, our Harba machine is called a Harrow. Um, so, what this piece of equipment is, is we have, like, a Kubota tractor, so just, like, a small cab tractor, and we have treads instead of wheels. Um, And then in the front of this tractor we have like these metal bent fingers and then we have the same on the back of the tractor as well. So these treads are super easy or they're a lot more gentle on the vines than like a standard wheel might be. Um, So and then these little fingers what they do is when we're ready to harvest we'll put just a little bit of water in the beds. Um, So that acts as a cushion between the treads and the vines so it's not just like straight weight on the vines. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, so then we just drive this tractor up and down the bed um, of cranberries and then these little metal fingers will just gently comb the berries right off the vines. And it's super gentle on everything so we're not damaging our crop for next year. Um, so it and it's a lot faster than what we were doing before. So one guy invented this on his home marsh and then another grower heard about it and he went to go see it. So he kind of made his own version of what this guy had started and that it's just caught on like a wildfire. So everyone goes and sees like what their neighbor has, and then they go back home and make it their own um, to just kind of fit their needs on their marsh. Um, so if you go from like marsh to marsh, you're never going to see the same exact equipment. So you might kind of see like the same general idea, but it's never exactly the same thing. So I think that's pretty darn cool.
1: So do those, so the first guy that invents like something that does a better job than what previously was used, they don't patent that, or they don't—they don't care about someone else stealing or uh, taking that idea and using it for their own.
2: Well, now they now they do <laughs> because of this harvest yeah. <laughs> machine I just talked about. <laughs> you know, all these people are just kind of ripping off his idea, and he wasn't too happy about that. He couldn't get his patent out soon enough, uh-huh. um, so I think he was kind of like the learning example. Like, okay, if you are going to make something new like this, make sure you get a patent on it right away and you can make a little money off of it instead of you know being stuck in the corner and you know sucking your thumb because you didn't <laughs> you didn't get it out there fast yeah. enough
1: <laughs> right that would that would upset me i'd get pretty upset about yeah. been able to at least get credit for something like that because that's probably a pretty ingenious way to uh, come across how to harvest something. i'd be interested yeah. in seeing some pictures of that so Definitely. tell me how cranberries get harvested because as far as I can remember, I've always seen, like, the ads on TV of some some dude standing in water, or I always thought as a young kid it was mm-hmm. just a big hill of cranberries, <laughs> and he had waders on, and he was saying, drink ocean spray or whatever. <laughs> but that's not exactly what goes on, is it?
2: Uh, I mean, that's kind of a general idea, I guess. Um, but cranberries don't actually grow in water. Um, so the only time that they're in water, like you see on TV, is for harvest. Um, so they are a low running vine. Uh, so I kind of in a similar way to a grape, but they're a lot more dense than that. Um, so, like I mentioned before, cranberries do grow in sand, so it's it's kind of like a shag carpet. Just imagine like a shag carpet, just full of cranberry vines. Um, so when we are ready to harvest, usually that um, middle, to end of September all the way through the end of October for us, typically. So when we get ready to harvest, what we'll do is we'll allow water into a certain section of beds. So we have individual cranberry beds. that are about two to five acres. Um, and we have about, I don't know, math off the top of my head, like 85 individual beds of cranberries. So hopefully this makes sense. But if not, go check out my Instagram page and you might get a little Uh, a visual idea. Um, So we allow water into a certain section of beds at a time. So we are not able to flood everything all at once. So we put about um, six inches of water in the bed. And what we do once we have that little bit of water in there is we go in with our harrow like I mentioned before. So we have this tractor that has um, that we, we have like an arm on the side of it that picks up these metal ramps. That the track that the Harrow can drive in and out of the bed on. Um, So once we have the ramps in place, the harrow just drives straight down into the bed. And then again, it just goes right on top of the vines and it combs and kind of just vibrates the berries right off of the vines. Um, So he makes one lap down and then there's another set of ramps at the opposite end and he drives straight out. And then we move those um, to the opposite side and he drives down and back. Um, We do that because we don't want that machine making sharp turns or corners on top of the vines because that will kind of tear things up and we don't want that obviously. So straight lines are best for harvesting cranberries. Um, So once he gets all the berries off of the vines we add more water um, on top of that. So we add about 24 inches of water just so the cranberries float up off of the vines. So the cranberries float uh, because if you crack one open they have four air chambers inside um, or little air pockets which allow the cranberries to float. So once we have all of that extra water on top of the bed um, what we do is we have two separate tractors and they both have a big reel on the back of their tractor. And on that reel um, we have like this flotation. Um, it's kind of like when you go to the pool that separates the shallow end from the deep end. You know what I mean, like that little Mm -hmm. floaty thing? I don't know. We call it our boom. (laughs) Um, So we have uh, (laughs) these reels (laughs) with this boom that's attached to it, and each section of boom is 100 feet. Um, So usually what happens is one tractor with the boom will stay parked um, on the shorter end of the bed, and then we'll kind of unroll a little bit of that boom, and then we'll go over to the other tractor and clip it on its side. Um, So then when that tractor starts driving away, we just continuously pull that boom out into the water. And then the tractor that's driving away, um, it has like this big hairdryer attached to the side of it that's blowing continuously into the water. And that hairdryer, basically the purpose of it is to kind of push away all the berries from the bank um, that kind of get caught in the grass there. So we want to make sure that all the berries are kind of floating out to the middle so that broom can sneak right along the edge and corral all the berries. Um, So that one tractor will drive about halfway down that bed until the other tractor driver waves him off to stop and then they unhook um, that broom from their reel, hook it onto their tractor, turn their blower on and then they'll do the same thing and they'll all pull um, at the same time and they'll meet in one corner of the bed. And they'll unhook their boom and they'll kind of just stake it into the ground until we're ready to pick them up. So that way the cranberries are all corralled tightly into one corner. So it just makes it a little bit easier, easier for us to pick up. Um, so when we're ready to pick the fruit up we have this machine. It's called the berry pump. So again like the Harrow this is kind of like the latest and greatest invention in the cranberry world. Um, so it's pretty much like this big I don't know how to describe it. It's like this big cart on wheels. Um, so we drive. We can drive this thing right over to where we need to pick up the fruit, and it has um, like this big metal arm that comes out on the side, and that will rest right on top of the water. And then we raise up this platform on top of this cart, so it's like I don't know, like 50 feet in the air. I could be dramatic about it. I don't know, but that's where I'm standing. So it seems a lot taller than it actually is. Um, so there's like this tube that goes from the bottom all the way to the top of this platform that um, so the cranberries get sucked up like this metal arm that's in the water and it goes up this tube and then there's a great big bin on top of this platform and that's just full of water at this point. So the b- cranberries will get sucked up this tube and into this platform um, and then they it kind of goes down at an angle. Um, so when it goes down at that angle we have like these grates um, like these different levels of grates. We have these grates set um, a certain width apart so a lot of that smaller fruit will just kind of fall right through that and then it doesn't go into like the fruit that we actually want to keep. So all the fruit that's large enough or like in good enough shape um, will fall down these grates, and then it'll go into the back of a semi and everything that kind of falls through those grates will shoot back through the opposite end and it'll go into the back of a dump truck and that's called our trash truck. So all of like the smaller fruit and like the the leaves and the sticks and like the frog and <laughs> stuff that gets sucked up during this process that will all go into a separate pile of stuff that we don't want or we can still use it for compost later. So um, on one end we have the semi-trailer full of like the fruit that we want and then all the stuff goes to the opposite end that we don't want. So that's that's pretty much in a nutshell how we harvest. So I'm standing on top of this platform um, and, I, and I'm able to tell the semi-truck when to pull forward um, once it gets full enough. So the guys down at the bottom, they're continuously pulling that that cranberry boom out of the water. And then once they pull that in um, out of the water, that makes that circle of cranberries tighter and tighter. Um, so there's always cranberries to be sucked up out of the water. Hopefully that all makes sense. It's, it's really hard to describe without, like, physically seeing it, but hopefully – Right. Hopefully that gives you a picture.
1: I mean, I would say it will a good, along. Okay. Now, it sounds like a lot of
2: work. Yeah, it, it, it's it a lot. Like. It is. It really is. <laughs> from those from, six weeks turn into but, like six years. It feels like when you're out there working, but it's all good. It's a lot of
0: fun. So What is I mean, if you're if you're spending six weeks on that? What's what's the growing season on a on a on a plant?
2: Yeah, so cranberries are a perennial plants, thankfully. Um, so they Some of our vines that we have are 60 years old Um, so they they produce and they produce until they don't anymore. There's some (laughs) vines out there that are over 100 years old which is just mind-blowing. But once we do plant it takes about two to three years um, for them to grow and develop before we can harvest a sizable crop off of them. once we can get that crop off of them, they're good to go until they're not anymore. So I guess our growing season, um, our growing season, I guess, as soon as they get harvested in the fall, they immediately go into dormancy. So they just shut down pretty much like overnight. And then um, once it starts to warm up in the spring, sometimes that might be like April, sometimes May. Um, Once we start getting like, 70-degree days consistently is when they really start to wake up and um, start to grow again, I guess, or kind of mature. Um, So right now we are going through our bloom period, so we have a lot of cranberry flowers out there right now, um, and we're seeing some small fruit start to develop. So um, we'll start getting sizable fruit hopefully within, like, the next month or so, and then from there on we're just pretty much hoping for warmer weather, and then in the fall – Um, usually like end of August and into September we really are counting on colder nights not like frost cold but you know like 40 35 degrees or so Um, we need that cold weather for the cranberries to turn red so I guess that's kind of like apples so they, they might be ripe inside but some of the berries that might be a little bit closer down to the ground don't get that cold weather to turn a darker red so if you ever see like a green or like a whitish tint cranberry. Um, they're still good. They just might have been closer to the bottom of the vine, and they didn't get that cold weather to turn red. So
0: every every wow. any, anybody that grows a crop faces challenges. Um, what what what's the mm-hmm. challenge, or what are some of the big challenges that cranberry farmers face?
2: Um, so early in the spring, um, we faced a lot of frost damage. So we always have to irrigate. Um, We have sprinklers in every single bed we have to irrigate when it gets below a certain temperature so that might start at like 8 o'clock at night and we might have to run our irrigation until 8 o'clock in the morning so we have different shifts um, where we have to watch frost Um, so we're really careful about that and then um, so that's kind of a big thing I guess throughout the entire growing season and then um, in the summer we're always worried about hail like any other crop is Um, so I'm, I'm always really Paranoid whenever I see storms in the forecast because that can wipe out your entire crop. Um, but other than that, I think really hot and humid weather, uh, especially in the summer, is is not the best because since they grow so close to the ground and they have all of that really dense um, foliage in the leaves, um, that traps a lot of moisture and that kind of can cook the fruit um, once it gets to a certain stage. So it kind of, you get a lot of rot. And I mean that's no good. You can't use that fruit. So and and it, and it smells really bad. <laughs> you don't want really hot and humid <laughs> days from like July until September.
1: So if uh if some of your plants get wiped out, like mm-hmm. you said, you have you've had plants that have been alive for you know sixty years or whatever. Yeah. Uh, do you, are you you can just replace those and and that's it, or is it kind of like a pineapple plant where you have to wait? a few years before something produces
2: um i guess it's like a pineapple (laughs) um usually okay so (laughs) when (laughs) i don't know much about pineapples but um so like this year for example we have um the blossom already for this year but underneath that we have bud development for next year as well um Uh so it would take probably three years if we just kind of let it ride out like if if for some reason we had really bad frost and we didn't catch that our, our irrigation wasn't working on one, one individual bed, for instance, like if that got burned out by frost, we would probably have to wait a couple of years if, if we were willing to do that. And then it would start to kind of regrow. Mm-hmm. We'd have to really take care of it. But, you know, thankfully we've never had that problem, but I think we would probably just renovate that in the spring if we were able to. Right. Oh, I
1: was just curious. I know you touched on it. I just, I just, I, I'm always curious because that's pretty interesting. Yeah. So I've always heard that cranberries are healthy to consume. And I mean, to be real honest with you, I'm more of an orange juice guy, but (laughs) uh, tell me, tell me about why cranberries are are so beneficial for uh, an individual's health.
2: Yeah, that's, Great. Um, actually, if you mix cranberry juice and orange juice together, like a 50-50, that's, a, that's pretty darn tasty. Um, <laughs> but cranberries, they're, they're considered a super fruit, um, so they are very low in sugar. They're one of the few fruits that are very low in sugar. And if you've ever had a raw cranberry, um, I'm sure you can see why. They're a very tart fruit, but they're they're just packed full of antioxidants. They have more antioxidants than blueberries. They're full of vitamin C. Um, Everybody's kind of concerned about their gut health now, and cranberries are great for that. They are notoriously known for, like, UTI issues. Um, I've even seen cranberry dental floss because it can be good for your gum and mouth health, I guess. Um, So, I mean, like, they're honestly one of the few super fruits out there that just kind of can do it all. It's like a miracle worker. And I'm not just saying that. like toot my own horn or anything but like the health benefits in a cranberry are just amazing and i don't think it gets a recognition that they deserve
0: let's uh let's let's switch gears to some social media talk here i think from from all the people we talked to cranberries are are one of more one of the more photogenic crops when they are Mm -hmm. um in the water um i think a while back maybe it was last season or so you posted a picture y'all kind of had them shaped into a heart um and that's when people think yeah. about cranberries, that's what they think about. They think about floating in the water, people in the waders. Um, and mm. when did you start sharing your story on social media um, about cranberries and about agriculture?
2: Um, so I started my page back in January because I, like, if, whenever I tell people that I grow cranberries, they always ask me, oh, so are you guys in the commercials? Or, like, oh, how do you wear hip boots all day? Like, that must be annoying because they just assume I'm in water all the time. And I realized that people don't know what goes on outside of harvest. And even with that, with harvest, they don't really know what's actually going on. And I wasn't seeing that put out anywhere. So I wanted, I thought, you know, why not me? I have, I have a phone. I can do this. Um, so I started sharing some stuff and I, I wasn't sure if people are going to like it or not. And turns out people are genuinely interested in it. So I share my life on Instagram and I show people what it's like to be a cranberry grower in Wisconsin. And, and I'm having a blast doing it. It's a lot of fun.
0: Y'all, y'all grow for ocean spray, right? Is that a correct we statement? Do, yep. So yes. do they, a lot of their marketing is the, the stuff I was talking about or the, the cranberries are floating in water, people and waders. Um, Mm-hmm. Do they do they ever come to you and say, "Hey, can we use some of your your pictures of just the stuff growing? I mean, just a a bushy vine plant growing, or do they they kind of focus on the the money shots of of they of what they know is going to sell? Um, I
2: I'm trying to see if they will use some other pictures outside of harvest because again, um they have a large platform and I would like people to be more educated about the growing process. Um, so anytime I post anything, I'm always taking Ocean spray, and in, in hopes that they kind of pick up on like my vibes, <laughs> I guess. And that they kind of focus on other things other than like just straight recipes and things like that's important, obviously, but, um, I think it's also important that people know where their crop is coming
0: from, and and um, I I want to be that educator. Wisconsin grows a lot of cranberries. Is there a big is there a big push there from the from the state department of ag from from a social media standpoint on the cranberries, or is it up to y'all as farmers um, to kind of take care of that yourself and promote stuff? <laughs>
2: um, yes and no. So cranberries are a billion dollar industry for the the state state of Wisconsin Wisconsin, and and they they are are the state fruit as well um but it's it's kind of up to like it's kind of up to us to brag about it because again like no one else is doing it so if I can if I can toot our own horn like that's pretty darn cool so um that's it's kind of a lesser known known fact but I'll I'll shout it from the rooftop if I need to (laughs)
0: If my my research is correct, twenty one thousand acres in Wisconsin, uh, biggest cranberry production in the in the U S. Yes, that's pretty cool. I, I mean, I I like to look yeah. at Google Maps and I look at Warrens, Wisconsin. It's a bunch of little squares with some bogs around them. Um, kind of yeah. kind of a cool look uh, if you're into the Google Map deal.
1: So we talked about social media a little bit. I'm I'm kind of a, a big fan of all sorts of agricultural social media. Uh, it's always interesting to be able to learn from other people uh, and and go from there. Uh, I'm kind of stalking your social media right now. you really take yeah. cool pictures. you really do. Uh, Thank I you. enjoy seeing uh, what you're doing. Um, you've already kind of stated why you ran or started your instagram and and kind of what's going on, but I guess tell us what you're mainly focused on besides maybe, wanting to share with the public about what it's like to, to feed, or excuse me, not feed the world, but you're really drinking herbs. <laughs> Good grief. You're really
0: <laughs> quenching the thirst quishing. of <laughs> the world. I don't know <laughs> what
1: to say here. You're, you're, you're helping people stay healthy with uh, cranberry juice. There we go. That's, that's perfect what I'm going to say. Uh, I guess just Share what your heart is with when it comes to social media. I mean, I see family. I see, I see tractors. I see a cool prayer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just, just tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. So I think it's really important right now that people recognize um, just how important farms are, uh, not only for themselves but worldwide. I think it's so cool when people share their family legacy with others and let them know, like you know, we are five generations. Like there's a reason that we're out here for a hundred years and we hope to be for hundred years more. And then some, um, Mm -hmm. like just hearing those stories, I think is just so important for people, especially, especially with everything going on today. They want to know, they want to feel safe about the choices they're making for their bodies and, you know, fueling it with the best nutrients they possibly can. And if, you know, seeing me working out here with my family, you know, is just another example of why they should be, you know, buying cranberries because they can support a family, like then I'm all here for it. And just getting our name and um, message out there, I think that's that's worth it. That's just worth it right there.
1: You know, multi-generational farms are always interesting to be able to see the history of what's gone in the past and what your your great-great-great-grandpa did In order to to secure the future for for you, and it's always interesting for me to think. I mean, I'm I'm a young buck at only 22 years old, but I still have my kids' future in mind sometimes, and and what it might be like for them farming, you know, 50 years compared to now. And it's always interesting to see the the technological advances. You've already you've already talked about how you guys. I mean, you build your own equipment. Uh, mm-hmm. what was it like to be a cranberry farmer this is a little bit off topic topic but I gotta I gotta learn but do you haven't yeah. you have some explanation of what it was like to be like your your great great grandpa farming <laughs> cranberries what what was that like
2: yeah so there's a reason that they only had 11 acres <laughs> back then um, so they had to dig out all these cranberry beds with you know horse and ox and um, so, like today, we have a couple of really goofy shaped beds, and you know, you kind of think, well, why did they do it that way? But that's the only way that they could do it. They couldn't do all these like massive renovations. They had to work around the land. They couldn't, they couldn't move the land like we can today. Um, but during harvest, they would do. Um, we had like these hand rakes, so it's pretty much like a like a wooden crate um, with a round handle on top. And then they have, like, these little wooden or metal teeth on the end of this crate. So they would go out there every single day, and they would just rake these berries, you know. So they'd be doing this backbreaking work, and then they'd send the berries back home to the wives, and then the wives would have to go through and pick out all of the rotten berries. And then they would, you know, take all of the, the clean fruit, I guess, and they would have to take it on a horse and then they would have to take it into town, wherever town might be uh, back then, and and deliver it to whomever at that point. So I I couldn't imagine, you know, having 11 acres and doing all of that work like that. Ugh. <laughs> like I don't mind doing hard work, but that just sounds awful.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, I hate hard work. I much rather sit in <laughs> AC controlled factor yeah. any day of the week. I'm a, just like most (laughs) of my friends say, you know, we're just lazy grain farmers. Uh, Yep, yep. This is always (laughs) a favorite question for me. I really do enjoy getting to learn what the future kind of looks like, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) tell me a little bit about what you think life looks like 10 years from now uh, for you and the farm.
2: Yeah. I mean, hopefully, um, there, hopefully maybe there might be a next generation by that point. Um, but I'm hoping things are, everyone's kind of on the precise egg side of things and cranberries, you know, aren't as up to date as like, um, corn farmers or, or whatever. Um, in that sense, but I'm hoping we kind of get more geared towards that. I mean, we're already, we're already pretty good, but no, more precision is always a bonus. Um, so I think things are going to get a little bit more animated. Maybe you throw in some drones um, so you don't have to drive around at 2 o'clock in the morning checking sprinklers when it's cold outside. That would be cool. Um, I think things are just going to get a lot more <laughs> um, automated, a lot more technical um, in the future. Right on. I enjoy it. Uh,
1: Wade, do you want to move on to rapid fire?
0: Absolutely, Amber. This is one of our our favorites and the fan favorites portion of the show. We've got four <laughs> questions for you, completely random. Um, we ask All you to right. think too much about them. Just just tell us what you're what you're feeling. Uh, first question: If okay. you could be a guest star on any TV show, what show would it be?
2: Oh gosh, I'm married, but my first thought was a Bachelor. <laughs> well,
1: well done. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I'll
2: tell
1: what's your favorite way to consume cranberries?
2: Ah, uh, meatballs.
1: <laughs> so what? Cranberry
2: meatballs are. Yeah, cranberry meatballs. So it's <laughs> Okay,
1: you're going to have to. So you've got like sausage and you're putting the cranberries in there with it or, or what I'm I'm confused yeah. I guess
2: yeah so you have like a package of meatballs you dump it in a crock pot you have um a can of cranberries you dump it in and then some sauerkraut you dump it in and then you just let it go and you've got a work of art in a crock pot <laughs> I promise it's well good. <laughs> yeah
1: well it I, I mean I I, I believe you. It <laughs> doesn't. I didn't even know such a thing existed. <laughs> that, that's why I'm here. <laughs> interesting. Exactly. Well, thank you for enlightening me. I appreciate that. Very yeah. interesting.
0: Uh, next question. You you mentioned you you spent some time in around the baseball um, diamond. Um, who yes. who your favorite baseball team?
2: I mean, I got to go with the Brewers, hometown favorite.
0: I couldn't tell you one person that plays for the Brewers. So, Dan, your turn. <laughs>
1: uh, yeah, I couldn't tell you any baseball players. I do know. Uh, no, that's a dumb joke. I'm not going to say that. All right, moving <laughs> on. Uh, all right, so you get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to go check a sprinkler or whatever. You've mm-hmm. got to drink coffee, right?
2: I, I don't. What. No, I don't. I well, I get way too jittery. Caffeine and I don't get along too well.
1: Well, I I'm sorry about that. I I mean I can't imagine life without coffee. But I I was just curious because you know long days, uh, coffee it just helps. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I, that's I
2: that's think. what I hear.
1: <laughs> I, right on. I I understand.
0: Amber, as we start to wrap things up here, uh, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you on social media?
2: Yeah, so if you are interested in my Cranberry Adventures, head over to my Instagram account, and that's at Cranberry Chats. And that's pretty much the only place I'm at right now, so head on over to Instagram.
0: Awesome. That that link will be down in the show notes below. Folks, uh, check it out. If you're if you're interested about cranberries or just looking for another great Instagram account to follow, check it out. Um we actually we actually learned about Amber through the New York Farm Girls episode. If you remember back, we asked them some of their favorite Instagram follows, and they mentioned Amber. Um, so go give her a follow. It's a it's a great account um, on the in, interwebs. Dan, close it out for us.
1: You know, Amber, I I I hear the passion and in, in your voice when you you explain about farming cranberries, and I I have the same. I, I feel like I have the same tone about farming here in the texas panhandle and just getting to grow uh crops and and really just providing for the future and providing for for uh the family and, and just literally being on land that my great 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 grandpa farmed. you know it, maybe that's yeah. one or two great <laughs> but you know it goes back so far and and you you're sitting on a fifth generation farm and mm-hmm. that that to me uh, that that takes precedence because we've got so many things going on in this world. We've got so many people attacking agriculture, whether it's uh, dairy farmers or whether it's a guy mm-hmm. that use, uses chemicals to better control weeds and and in order to conserve the uh, the actual soil that it's sitting on. Um, right. I I. I've, I could go on a rant, but I, I'm, I promise I'm not going to, but I always, uh, I want to know how you feel about where the future of agriculture is going. If wh- What do you think is going to happen in these next few years? What's your gut feeling? <laughs>
2: um, you know, I, June dairy month, you know, it's, it's, I feel so much pride in agriculture, but you know, it's so scary. Um, Being on social media, like, I always have to kind of double check the things that I'm posting because I don't want people to come at me like the way they do with dairy farmers. And, you know, at the same time, I also want to educate people. So if that triggers some people, like, I want to educate them and, you know, inform them, you know, if if they're feeling a certain type of way, I want to let them know um, the truth. You know, that's that's kind of our mission uh, is to tell the truth, and I would never do anything otherwise but you know it kind of makes me nervous with all these extremists hiding behind a keyboard um, it makes me nervous in that sense but I'm I'm really excited and I'm really proud of a lot of farmers for stepping up and putting their lives out on social media like this and informing people you know what's actually going on and not to totally believe the tabloids and what they say like on Twitter or whatever, um, because anybody, you can have like one cruel person in any job, and that shouldn't be a direct reflection on the entire industry if you have one bad whatever, you know, so I'm, I'm really proud. I'm really impressed with a lot of farmers for sharing their truth, for sharing their story, and for letting people know how many family farms are out there. I think that's so awesome, and I hope more people can get that courage to step up and share their story. I think that's needed now more than ever. So, um, I, I kind of hope it continues in the direction that it's heading, and I'm really excited to see what's happening next.
1: I 100% agree. You know, it's it's something else to be able to see the agricultural community just exploding overall. Mm-hmm social media platforms i mean anymore now if i look on youtube i see a new account or a new channel excuse me just blowing up and i don't understand what the big deal is i mean i do the same thing but to someone who who doesn't understand what a tractor is even it's Mm -hmm. mind-blowing and i enjoy getting to to reach to people that might not understand what it's like to farm in Texas Panhandle. What what kind of issues that we run into versus somebody that might get, you know, 80 inches of rain compared to our, our marginal 18 inches. And so it's, it's interesting because there's so many different aspects in this great nation. And when it comes down to it, literally we're all living the dream. And I've Mm -hmm. said this before, I'm going to say it again and I'll preach it. It doesn't matter if you're growing a garden, it doesn't matter if you're farming 10 acres uh, 100,000 acres i mean it literally does not matter uh you're mm-hmm. living the dream and that's what it's all about you don't need to be going and hating on other farmers for not doing something that you've done on your farm when they live 20 states away and so <laughs> exactly. i'm going on a rant here so i'm going to shut down <laughs> but i just <laughs> i enjoy the the ability to learn from other farmers and to see what's going on heck i was on a phone call with a uh, a random guy yesterday just learning about some some things and it's just you get to learn and so social media is a tool and when used right it's it's absolutely stunning and amazing Mm -hmm. on the things that you can learn and uh just as long as we use it right and and continue that i just i hope and pray that it continues to blow up and that the that the nation goes back from not learning so much about agriculture to wanting to be in it and and continuing uh, what started uh, the this nation. Farmers taking up their guns and and doing what needed to be done. <laughs> oh, great. Right. I'm talking a lot, uh, <laughs> Amber. I really do appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, wow, I I knew nothing about cranberries other than. Uh, I thought they were grown in water, and that's not the <laughs> truth at all. So, I really do appreciate your your honesty and your just willingness to put yourself out there in a profession that doesn't really speak out, in my opinion. I don't see a lot of cranberry farmers on on the IG, and so I really do appreciate what you're doing uh, in terms Thank of you. being an advocate and and sharing your story. Uh, wow. Uh, yeah, man! I'm, well, I'm, I'm, wow I'm thank fat. you <laughs> so, thank you so much uh, Wade do you want to finish up
0: Amber thanks for coming on Dan we'll visit with you next time thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Advocates be sure and check out our Facebook, Instagram and Twitter pages to see who will feature next on behalf of Dan I'm Wade we'll see you next time